Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And uh, that's it. NFL season wrapped up last week. Uh, finally got that uh, put in the books. Uh, figured out the playoffs. And uh, here we are, Wiz. Super wild card weekend. How you doing today, Wiz? Yeah, doing well. Getting ready for the playoffs from a uh, standpoint of just being a fan uh, as well as partaking in playoff fantasy drafts and uh, and, uh, and and looking forward to the action. It's, um, it's one of the most interesting playoffs that I can remember in a while and some of for reasons that, you know, just uh, you know, great teams trying to figure out who is the best of the best and the other is, you know, a little bit of craziness that's happened with the scheduling due to the cancellation of the Bills and Bengals and uh, some key injuries to some key players. Um, and you mix it all in there and, uh, and we're going to see uh, exactly what shakes out the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and look, uh, it can't not be said uh, the last 10 days of the season, if you include that Monday night game that ended up getting suspended, uh, it's great to see that DeMar Hamlin is, uh, is progressing nicely uh, the young man looks like he's going to go on and hopefully have a healthy life from here. Whether he plays again remains to be seen. Uh, it's certainly through an extra wrinkle into the playoffs. And, you know, with that, it was uh, the drama around week, week 18 and, and what transpired. Uh, it was enjoyable kind of watching all those teams race to the finish at, at 1 o'clock last week with the Steelers, Dolphins, uh, and uh, who else was trying to get in the playoffs there? The Steelers, Dolphins, and one other team, right? Who, who was trying to at, get? At the, at the very end, the Steelers, Dolphins. Well, the Jet, the Jets were playing – the, the Jets were playing like a little bit of a, a role of the spoiler. Uh, all Steeler fans were, uh, were were rooting for the Jets. So, uh, oh, and New yeah, England was, and, and uh, New England too. New England was involved in that, right? And New England needed to beat Buffalo as right. well. So you had that there. drama, yeah. and unfortunately, Sunday night kind of became a little anticlimactic with the win by. In, in, and you called that you thought the Rams could win that football game. They stayed in it. Uh, they ended up uh, losing to Seattle. Seattle got in the playoffs uh, with that victory, but nonetheless. The Detroit Lions, which we've talked a lot in this podcast about, uh, they went into Green Bay and uh, they send that Aaron Jones packing, perhaps for good, as a Green Bay Packer. Uh, but just a phenomenal ending to the season. I, I love everything that the that the Lions did, and I think the Lions have one of the more exciting futures in the NFL. I know you agree with that. We've talked about this team ad nauseum. Ended up winning nine games. J- just a real good story to finish out the season. Yeah, and you got to love what they did for the Seahawks. I mean, that was incredible. You would think, you know, in an ironic twist of fate, right, the Seahawks knocked the Lions out of the playoffs officially, and then the Lions got the Seahawks in the playoffs. Yeah. It just just an, an amazing turn of events, and uh, you have to give the Lions a ton of credit. And man, I love some of the things they did at the end of the, the end of that game, pulling out all the stops. And uh, there's there's a lot to be happy about uh, if you're a Lions fan. And uh, it's difficult when you look at the you know it, it, when you look at the Lions and some of their players and how young some of those players are. It, it's not difficult to imagine that, that I think the Lions are going to be probably the team that's going to start dominating that NFC North 
soon enough. Yeah, and I, and I think you know, you, I, I think the fact that they were playing the Packers, right? Uh, it's a rival. It's an in division rival, and I think they took that very seriously. I think they wanted to make a statement. The Packers can weigh weigh on that for the rest of uh, the off season. Uh, Jared Goff played incredibly strong football in the second half of the year. No interceptions in his last nine games. Uh, he was able to do that both inside and outside. Jamal Williams with a historic season broke Barry Sanders touchdown record. This is with DeAndre Swift banged up all year. Jamal Williams really never got in the field. Essentially, the Lions are going to look like they have three. They look like going to look like they have three number one picks this year because Williams is going to be back, and they have two additional picks this year. So. I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about the Lions, but you know, I, again, I'm, I'm super excited about what they did. And was, there's a ton of stuff here going on in the offseason. Sean McVay announced today that he's going to come back as coach. We have a, a number of coaching changes that could take place. Uh, right now, there's five teams looking for vacancies. We have offensive coordinators. Uh, Matt Patricia was a joke of a coordinator, wasn't officially labeled that. Bill Belichick making a statement today. Gerard Mayo staying on. Um, there's articles today about... I mean, the, the Arizona Cardinals situation, I don't know what Sean Payton's going to decide, but that looks as dysfunctional as it is. Players calling out Kyla Murray for his lack of preparation. We know why they put that in the contract. Then they took it out. There's just so much going on for the offseason. Uh, you know, we'll get on to this in another podcast, but there's a lot of drama to be told here. Uh, this particular podcast, we're definitely going to focus on these matchups this weekend. I don't know if you have any other things to add. I mean, we talked about the way this season ended, the schedule. Uh, the Bengals got rooked uh, in, in a big way in this particular setup with that game not being completed against the Bills. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder uh, coming into this weekend, Wiz. Yeah, I, my final statement is going to be, listen, I, I understand that the NFL had to make the best of a bad situation and came up with a, you know, a decision that if the Bills and Chiefs play in the AFC Championship, it's going to be on a neutral site. But to me... Those are the two of the best stadiums, if not two of the best stadiums, where home field advantage really comes into play. And for neither one of those teams, if they actually play in the AFC Championship, and, and if, if not that home, being able to play at home, I just think it's a lose-lose because, you know, from the financial aspect of what it means for, for you know, that, that area and and just, you know, that stadium is so – those two stadiums are difficult to go in on the road and win. And uh, I just feel it should have been decided on the field. And the Bills, you know, they went to Kansas City and they won that game. And, uh, boy, you would have liked to have seen them – all teams play their full 17-game season and then let the records decide it instead of having to cancel it and kind of like making it a neutral side. I just feel it's going to lose some of its vim and vigor if that's the situation. And look, maybe it's not. Cincinnati certainly has a say in this, um, and you never know. But uh, I just think uh, those stadiums have such a uh, – uh, an advantage when they're playing at home with how loud and, and, and everything that goes along with it. Uh, it's just a shame that neither one of those teams are going to be able to host uh, an AFC championship game if it's those two teams. Yeah, bad job by Roger Goodell in the NFL. I, we're in agreement. I don't think Roger Goodell is uh, making uh, any, any financial uh, moves to help out those business owners around those stadiums. Yes, they'll play in Atlanta if it ends up being the case. And by the way, you know, just the way the schedule worked out too. Like I didn't think 
I didn't like the fact that Kansas City was playing on Saturday instead of playing at the same time as Cincinnati and Buffalo on Sunday, uh, which I think would have made a difference maybe in mindsets. I don't know. But nonetheless, this is what's happened. Water under the bridge. Uh, it was certainly a strange situation. I, I think a very, very bad decision, especially a bad decision given the fact that the news on DeMar Hamlin got progressively better every single day. It just didn't make any sense to me. But anyway, onwards and upwards, uh, we're heading into playoff weekend. I, I, I will ask you one question, Wiz, that's kind of been on my mind. I have seen a little bit of speculation on this. Uh, do you think the fact that this contract situation is hanging over Lamar Jackson has you know, I know we made a statement yesterday via Twitter about not being healthy and stuff like that. Do you think that's played into his decision as to not get back on the field? Or in your eyes, is he truthfully, uh, you know, more injured than uh, previously thought? I think both things can be true. I think I think he, he feels that he's not 100%, but I think if he had guaranteed money, he'd be more apt and willing to go out there with not being 100%, but without that guaranteed money and he, he was unable to get that contract, they couldn't agree to it. I mean, you're talking about his future, um, uh, you know, and, and a big contract, most likely not with the Ravens at stake. So I think both things could be true where he most likely is not 100%, but I think given a different contract situation, he may be willing to have given it a go. Um, we'll, we'll never know uh, about it. So um, I think, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And one, honestly, at this point, I think only Lamar Jackson could answer. But uh, look, from where we sit, we're just going to have to take these games at face value with who we know is going to be on the field. So why don't we just do it like this? Why don't we take it uh, each day, you know, each day's game at a time. Let's start off with the two Saturday games, Seahawks, 49ers, Chargers, Jags. I saw something. I know you are always on top of weather. I saw something earlier today where the forecast was that the time of the 49er game was supposed to be a torrential downpour. I don't know if you saw that or if that changed. And the Charger-Jaguar game, um, is going to have a rematch of Chargers and Jags where the Jags absolutely obliterated the Chargers the first time they played. So I guess my question to you is, um, how are you going to view it if this game is being played in the downpour uh, between the Seahawks and Niners? And then regarding the Chargers and Jags, which team has learned more, would you say? The Jags from their last week's performance where they kind of looked like they were tight and they got by it? Or the Chargers, who kind of learned that lesson in that last game against the Raiders last year where they got knocked out of the playoffs. One team is going to say they've learned their lesson. Another team is going to have a disappointing view of it. So break down those two games. All right, so I'm going to start with the game you, you finished with. So 38-10 um, to 10 victory in week number three, I believe it was. Uh, the Chargers uh, got their heads handed to them. In a game where Keenan Allen was out, uh, uh, um, Eckler was completely stifled. Uh, it was a very difficult ball game. Uh, it was a close game at halftime, but it was a blowout in the second half. I think it's interesting, Wiz, between these two teams. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Chargers uh, lead the NFL in drop passes, 41 and 40, respectively. I think that's quite interesting. Uh, today, we saw that Mike Williams was announced out. Uh, and what was astonishing to me, Wiz, was the stark difference in offensive production 
from the Los Angeles Chargers without Mike Williams. I'm not, I'm not particularly surprised. Obviously, he's a down-the-field threat. But in games where Mike Williams does not play, the Chargers average 60 less yards in total offense a game. 370 yards when he's there, 310 when he's not. And more so, they average 24 points when he plays and 20 when he doesn't. So Mike Williams is an integral part of what they do. Uh, He won't be playing in this particular game. Uh, that's problematic for me. I think um, there's obviously a little bit of disrespect here for the for the Jaguars playing at home uh, and getting points. Uh, so with that said, Wiz, uh, and given that Mike Williams is not playing, uh, I think Travis Etienne uh, adds a different element. Uh, in the first time that they played these two teams, James Robinson rushed for over 100 yards. I think Etienne's going to be a big part of this uh uh, attack. I know uh, Zay Jones had ten catches in the first ma- uh, in the first matchup as well. Uh, I like the Jaguars in this game, uh, getting two and a half points from the Chargers. Wiz. All right, and the other game. I know, like uh, I don't know if you saw anything different about the weather. No, the I, I'm, I'm, wor- I'm worried about the wind. I'm worried about the wind. It's very windy. There is a stat out there, Wiz, where home favorites uh, in the last ten years nine points or over uh, are eleven and zero. Uh, just to let you know that. Um, so that's one thing. Number two, there's another stat out there where the last 44 games played in super, in the wild card weekend, uh, 30 of them had hit under. Uh, so for me, uh, I, I'm worried about, I, I don't know if it's going to be one of those grind out games, but I think the Niners have the upper hand here. I think you could see an under game. I could see it could be one of those ugly games where, you know, the Niners win this something like 27 to 10. Uh, Geno Smith has definitely been plagued by an interior offensive line that has played very poorly in the second half of the year. So I'm worried about the wind. Uh, rookie quarterbacks uh, and first-time quarterbacks struggle. Here we have a rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, Purdy starting, and Geno Smith will be starting his first game. In both instances, those type of quarterbacks struggle. Yeah, I mean, when I look at these games, to me, I really have a better feel for player props this week than, than the sides or totals this week, just due to um, so many different factors, key guys being out. I have no idea why on earth Mike Williams was playing in that game so late in the stupid, game. Stupid. You have a guy who missed so much of the game, so much of the season, came back, played a, played a week, got hurt on the first pass thrown to him, missed three more weeks, came back. I don't understand why all of these guys were in in a game that meant nothing to, can, to the Chargers. They could not move up or down based on the result of that game. It makes no sense, especially when you're talking about with a couple of guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who missed so much time this year. You'd want them ready to go for the playoffs. I, I don't understand that one. I got to tell you, you Wiz, know, I, one thing I will say, if the Chargers lose this football game, that could be a coaching vacancy. I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And, you know, this is the type of situation where Sean Payton would be interested in. I, I don't think Sean Payton's interested in going to a situation, honestly, where Russell Wilson, I know no. he's you know, meeting with Denver, or Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, no. where those teams are kind of married to those quarterbacks. They've given them big money contracts. I think he likes the idea of some of these, you know, coming in here with that, Justin Herbert, kind of a quarterback that he could groom and help, um, and and that team is ready to win as well. So I agree that you know people are talking about this being a coaching ending game for McCarthy of Dallas. I see this as well, maybe even more so for 
uh, Staley and the Chargers, uh, this would be uh, uh, would be considered a very disappointing end to their season. As far as the first game goes, I, I get why you know people think the 49ers are going to blow them out. But you ever have a when you have a situation like this with a young quarterback in this type of situation, you're never quite sure. And with the points as well, I just feel better about some player props for those two games. So. Um, with that said, why don't we move on to the Sunday games? And I just want to say this. I talk to a lot of people, and I see a lot of people's views on these games. And I would say literally out of every, you know, if I've seen 100 people give a view on these games, the one team that the consensus seems to like, about 90% of the people like your beloved New York football giants with the three points. So why don't you talk about that game as well as the two games where the spread is very, very Big. The Bills are 13 and a half and 43 and a half against the Dolphins, and the Bengals are eight and a half and 40 and a half against the Ravens. But when you start it off, where you have your beloved Giants against my beloved Vikings, the Vikings are three and 48. Yeah. So I mean, you know, he, you look at the situation was, and all six games this weekend are uh, are rematch games. Uh, for the teams that have played each other during the regular season. In some instances, they've played each other twice, like in the case of Seattle and San Fran and Miami and Buffalo. Uh, the Giants and Vikings did not play that long ago. They played only four weeks ago. I believe it was the 15th of December. Um, I think there's been some... It's very clear that uh, there's there's been some comfort in that passing game, and particularly against the Vikings, who continue to be... Uh, a little bit of a sieve when it comes to their secondary. Harrison Smith is uh, still banged up. Uh, he looks like he's going to play, but he is banged up. Uh, the Giants took full advantage of that the first time around. All three of their receivers had over 70 yards receiving. It was kind of a breakout party for both Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins. Who and 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 I think there's been you know this this offense has definitely picked it up a notch, right? They've managed to get through these injuries and all the disasters of contracts that Dave Gettleman put together, and they're playing consistent football. And Daniel Jones has managed to overall hold on to the football. Yes, he doesn't throw the ball down the field effectively but he did so uh, the last time. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about this. I think his legs are going to be a, a more integral part of this ball game. Last time he only ran for, for 34 yards. I, I see that being picked up here. Uh, players come in rested because the Giants sat most of their star players uh, the week before. And, and Minnesota kind of struggled again, even even in that game against the Bears, With uh, even in that first half. You know, they had their stars out there, and uh, they were struggling. So I do really like the Giants. It does scare me when the consensus is on there. Uh, but I think I think the Giants are playing better football. I think they're well coached, uh, and I think they're playing with some swagger, Wiz, and they're happy to be in the playoffs for the first time in a while. Uh, and they're in a cushy dome, and and they could have won that last game. So yeah, that's my lean as well. Like I said, I hate to hear that everybody else is that way, but that's where I'm going uh, as well, Wiz. Alrighty, and uh, the two big spread games: Bengals, Ravens, eight and a half, and the Bills, thirteen and a half. The Dolphins. Do you give the underdog a chance in either of those games? Is this a game that you're going to kind of lay off, or do you think the route is going to be on in both these two games? Yeah, I, I look. so I think the game was weird last week. Uh, let's go with Baltimore-Cincinnati in that, you know, Baltimore chose to sit Dobbins. Uh, Gus Edwards got hurt in the game. and Anthony Brown out there. So it looks like Huntley's going to be able to go in this one. Uh, obviously, it'll have uh, Mark Andrews will be playing this week as well. Um 
But I just think the Bengals have too much firepower, Wiz. I just don't think they can get it done in the same manner. So, so I like the Bengals going away, and I just think Skylar Thompson, it's, it's, it's a tough chore to go into, in, into Buffalo. There are rumors, by the way, that DeMar Hamlin is going to be walking the team out of the tunnel which if that ends up happening, that place is going to be just complete bedlam. Uh, I, I, I think in those particular games, Wiz, I, I got to favor the, 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 homes, the home teams there in, in both Cincinnati and Buffalo. Yeah, and I, can, I, I understand that. Um, you know, I think some of these underdogs could be, <clears throat> could be interesting. Um, I saw a stat where in, with Joe Burrow playing in the cold weather, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, in this type of weather that it's going to be uh, on Sunday, he averages 325 yards passing and three touchdowns in uh, weather between 20 degrees and 39 degrees. Uh, it'll be between that on Sunday. And uh, that that's just amazing. There's still some um, optimism that Huntley is going to quarterback for the Ravens in this game. Um, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, but for the way Miami looked this last week against the Jets, and I, I know you know a case could be made that the secondary for the Jets is is much stronger than the Bills, and I think that's probably true. But the Jets could not move the ball, and the Bills will be able to move the ball in this game. So, um, thirteen and a half points seems a lot, but I just it's going to be difficult, I think, for Miami maybe to keep up in this game. Which leads us to Monday Night Football. Um, Dallas Cowboys, two and a half favorite at the Bucks, And Dallas has played five games on natural grass this year, and they've been dreadful. They won in four, and the game they won was against the Titans. And the Titans, who I think were playing their third-string players at almost every single position in the game. And the Cowboys still didn't look great in that game. So... The fact that that speed rush on defense doesn't seem to be the uh, you know way you know it normally is when they play at home where they're eleven and one they've looked dreadful on the road in the grass. What say you? Dallas two and a half. Does TB twelve keep hope alive for Tampa Bay or? Does Dallas finally get a playoff win here on the road? What do you think? Yeah, Dallas stinks it on the grass. I mean, the splits in terms of yards per attempt down the field, yards rushing there, you got to look at the splits. It's it's like night and day, these two teams. Uh, so that is a definite concern. I think there's been some billboard materials uh, the, the last couple of days. I, I saw Diggs make some comments because Mike Evans made some comments about him. Uh, Micah Parsons was very insulted by the fact that he was not named to the Pro Bowl team. You know, I don't think it's going to be a, a Jefferson in Fast Times at Ridgemont High type of event, but uh, Je- but Micah Parsons <laughs> seems uh, a little bit annoyed about some things too. So I, And the Cowboys absolutely sucked. This is the perfect situation, I think, Wiz. I'm, I'm actually not going to bet the game. But I'm going to tell you this right now. One of these two teams is blowing out the other. This is not going to be a close football game. Uh, Tom Brady is 7-0 and lifetime against the Cowboys. Uh, so that's the other thing going here. Uh, obviously, they're the home team. Tom Brady has been a home dog in the playoffs twice in his career. Uh, the, the last time he was a home dog was in the Super Bowl when they were playing in their own stadium, and they pounded the Chiefs in that particular ball game 30-9. to And he's a home dog in this one. So... I think, without question, one of these two teams is going to blow out the other. I'm not sure where I'm leaning right now. I know the Cowboys just looked absolutely dreadful last week, like I said. Um, 
I, I, I probably will make a decision on it at some point in time, but I do not see this being a close football game. Uh, and, and the stats are, are, are very interesting when you look at it from that perspective. All righty. So that being said, uh, that could be a perfect opportunity for live wagering. If you feel it's going to be a blood city and you're just not quite sure which is going to be the team that's going to win in a route, then you may be interested in seeing how the game starts and then just tacking on once you see uh, you know, who gets the lead in the game and who looks good. Yeah, I agree. And, and live betting, you know, it's one thing you know, to share with our audience. Live betting, I mean, and look, some teams, uh, and we'll talk about this in, in, in a minute when we're done with the prop bets, but, but live betting makes things quite interesting. There are lots of opportunity in that. It, it's something to definitely take a look at. And, and that's why I'm going to stay away from it until the game starts. All right, let's get to player props. Well, I really have some strong views on some players here. Um, uh, the first one to me is I want to go Austin Eckler over receptions. Um, the Jags give up the most passing attempts to running backs and in this type of game without Mike Williams. I think, you know, where Mike Williams comes into play is, look, he's not the fastest player in the NFL, but he is elite at that deep 50-50 ball where Justin Herbert loves to throw. So I kind of think without him, they're going to just be forced to play this game in a, in a kind of a short box, uh, and I think a lot of passes are going to be going to Austin Eckler. So I want to play Austin Eckler over five and a half receptions. I want to play ETN over 76 and a half yards rushing. I think he wasn't much involved in the game last week. It's very, very difficult for anyone to run against the Titans opposite the Chargers where everyone runs against them. So for the Saturday games, well, let's just again go just do it day by day here. For the Saturday games, I'm loving Eckler over receptions. I'm loving ETN over rushing yards. And as long as weather is permitting, Tyler Lockett was able to do whatever he wanted against the Niners. Um, so I'm, I'm going to play Tyler Lockett uh, over receiving yards. It was around 60 and a half. So unless the weather is dreadful where it just looks like it's going to be difficult to throw the ball, he really you know, was able to have two terrific games against them. And uh, they really focused a lot of their defense on Metcalf. So I want to play in, in receiving yards at 61 and a half. It's up to now. I want to play Tyler at over 61 and a half yards receiving. He had two big games against the Niners, and uh, if they're in a situation where they have to throw the ball and the weather is okay, uh, I like him out of the Seahawks receivers to have a big game. As far as the Saturday player props, what's uh, what's interesting to you? Uh, George Kittle's interesting to me. Wiz. The last two times he's played the Seahawks, he has absolutely lit them up. Uh, once in 21 and once in 20. He missed the first game uh, this season. Uh, so George Kittle... Receiving yards, 44-and-a-half. I, I know Debo Samuel's going to be back. We've talked a lot about this player, but I, I like George Kittle going over 44-and-a-half yards in this particular game. Uh, it's interesting that you picked Eckler because I have him for total yards, uh, over 92-and-a-half total yards. The first game that these guys did play, he did have eight catches in that particular ball game. I will take a look at the receptions now that you told me about it, but the one guy that I did go with in receptions in this particular game was Keenan Allen, over six-and-a-half catches in the ball game, especially with no Mike Williams. I'm completely with you on ETN. Um, I'm taking the over ETN receiving 15 and a half, and I'm taking the over total yards ETN 96 and a half. All right. Uh, uh, actually, so um, one other thing too, sorry. Uh, I did, the line has moved. Uh, it was 230 and a half when we started. Geno Smith passing yards. I took the under. It's down to 226 and a half now, Wiz. All right. 
Saturday games, um, I have some views on some of the Saturday games, and I completely understand why people would be hesitant to do anything with any of the offensive players on the Dolphins, considering how they looked. But Jalen Waddell really exploded in games against the Bills this, 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 you know, this season, the two games they played. And due to the fact that it's Skylar Thompson, his receiving yards is over 46 and a half. And honestly, you know, it just would take one play. I like Jalen Waddell considering Tyree kill to me, the last few weeks is obviously playing through an injury. He was in and out of that game against the Jets last week. At some point, it looked like he was even not going to return. Came and played, but that's nagging him. I like Jalen Waddle for 46 and a half yards. I like this one a lot, actually. Um, in a game where if it could get out of hand, you may just see, you know, the the, the, the Dolphins having to throw the ball a lot. And sure, they're going to sack him. He may throw some interceptions. But I just think it'll take one or two of those passes for Jalen Waddle. So I want to play him over for uh, 46 and a half yards. As far as the Viking game, uh, I want to play Barkley, but I want to play him over receptions. Uh, I, I, I can't believe that the number is what it is, but I want to play Barkley over re- receptions, and that number was, was only three and a half. You have to lay like seven to five on it, but I like that one. And also the Giants seem to figure something out with Daniel Jones running the ball and his is 40 and a half. And I think they're going to continue on with that. And there's going to be at least five to 10 plays where they're going to use read option where they fake it to Barkley and Daniel Jones runs. So I want to play Daniel Jones over 40 and a half yards rushing. And I want to go Barkley over receptions as far as the Sunday games. What player props interest you? Yeah, so I went Barkley, but I went in a different direction in receiving. He's uh, over under for uh, receiving yards, which is 22 and a half. I took the over there. I'm in complete agreement with you and Daniel Jones rushing. And uh, J- uh, Justin Jefferson went bananas against the Giants in, in the first uh, first go around. Uh, 91 and a half yards. I, he, he's got to go over 100 whiz. I, I know he was quiet last week, uh, didn't play the whole game. Uh, I'm taking Justin Jefferson over 91 and a half yards receiving against the Giants. Anything with the Bengals-Ravens games, because I'm waiting for some of the Ravens players to be put up because they're not with the quarterback situation. But I want to say this, that Mark Andrews, the first time they played, had a big, big game against the Bengals. The second time they played last week, he didn't play, but I likely had over 100 receiving yards. I'm going to play that one. I'm going to play Mark Andrews who's been kind of like a guy that slumped in the second half. And for that reason, maybe the, the total in yards get a little bit of a discount. So I want to play Mark Andrews over as soon as that one comes out. You have any views on any players in the Ravens Bengals? Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for things to come out there. I, I will say this with what's amazing. Jamar Chase in 12 games this year has 137 targets. Uh, he had a big game last week. Uh, I, I like his yards over and I like his receptions six and a half and 76 and a half I believe it just sounds way too low to me uh, I'll tell you one of the most amazing how easy he's going to love this one Trenton Irwin was who is the fourth wide receiver uh, on the Cincinnati Bengals the last nine games or 10 games that he has played now granted guys have been in and out of the lineup and all he's had one game where he's had under under 10 yards receiving one game all the other games has been above. The line for Trenton Ir- Irwin receiving yards this week is five and a half yards. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, it makes me laugh when they put up player props 
on some of these obscure players who you're not quite sure how many players how many plays they're going to play in the game. But I will say this: Joe Burrow has no problem targeting that receiver nope. and throwing it to him. And when he was in there due to injuries to Boyd and Higgins throughout the season, he was not afraid to throw him the ball. So uh, I think if you want to sprinkle that one in there, that's an interesting one. I know you don't really have much of an opinion on the Cowboys and Bucks, and you think it's going to be a route, and you may want to see how that game starts off at some point. Well, well, no, wait. I, I, I said I think one of the, I don't think it'll be a close football game. I think one of the teams right. will route you. one the... of the teams is going to blow. Yeah. But from a player prop standpoint, Point, is there anyone in the game who you feel good about? I have not touched it at this point in time. I'm going to tell you one thing. was The guy who's been the best player for the Dallas Cowboys, I, 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 mean, I mean, this is not a slight to CeeDee Lamb, but Tony Pollard has been the best player for the Cowboys all year long. And we also know that Dak Prescott has, you know, had a lot of ups and downs here. I think this is a game where you make Tony Pollard make a difference like he did in so many games this year. If I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I am putting the ball in his hands as many times as I can. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a, a game plan. So maybe we'll uh, look at some uh, player props on Tony Pollard as it gets uh, to Monday Night Football. So that completes the game's wild card weekend. Any other thoughts um, before we sign off? No, it, 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 look, it, this is a it, this is an exciting time. I know you and I are doing a draft tomorrow. If for guys that uh, can't get enough of this stuff, there are playoff drafts. There's interesting formats. I used to do one where you had to pick player from one team, so you'd end up with 14 different players, and you'd get their point totals through the weekend. We have an auction draft tomorrow where we're drafting, I don't know, something like uh, – I don't know, 12, 13 players per team. You, you get the good points that they accumulate over the course of the playoffs. I will say this one thing, Wiz. I came into this season, you know, feeling like there was, uh, it was an extremely nebulous story in terms of who was going to come out on top. It was a very difficult thing. I, I sit here today feeling that there's only four or five teams that have a chance to win the Super Bowl. If you had asked me that at the beginning of the season, I would have not given you that answer. Uh, I think it's pretty clear for me. There's two teams in the NFC, three teams in the AFC. I will be shocked if one of those five teams does not win the playoffs. I'm talking about the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs, and I'm talking about the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Eagles are an interesting one, though, Wiz, because, because that's a team that's dealing with a quarterback that is not 100%. Hopefully the extra rest will help them out. Uh, and, you know, they with, with, with a bunch of scrubs on the field for the Giants last week, it took, it took all their efforts to win that football game last week. Yeah, if you look at the quarterbacks playing throughout this playoffs, there are stories all over the place. You have quarterbacks who are trying to get that, you know, uh, you know, monkey off their back, so to speak, with like Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott, uh, who I think are on teams where they're expected to maybe win a game or two in the playoffs, a lot of pressure on them. Um, you have players, uh, quarterbacks like Brock Purdy and, and Jalen Hurts, who – are very inexperienced in playoff football and winning playing football. How are the bright lights going to affect those two quarterbacks on the two top seeds in the NFC? And while the AFC is a completely different story, you have three elite, the top of their game quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Holmes, and Joe Burrow, and only one of them 
due to the fact that all three teams are in the AFC, will be playing on Super Bowl Sunday. There are interesting stories all over the place, um, especially at the quarterback position. Well, you know, and it's interesting. Tom Brady and maybe his last hurrah as well. You, you make a great point. You know, here we are. We have Mr. Irrelevant starting in the playoffs. We have Skylar Thompson, who was drafted, I think, 13 or 15 spots before him, also starting a playoff game. In the NFC, Wiz, Tom Brady has won 35 games in the playoffs. Kirk Cousins won, Dak Prescott won, and no other quarterback has won a football game. And so, you know, you talk about quarterbacks, uh, you know, there are, there, there are new guys in the limelight right now, no doubt about it. Uh, and then when you compare it with the AFC, where we have guys like Allen and Mahomes and, and Burrow who have shown the ability to win as young, as young a set of players as they are, uh, they've all put some wins on the board. You know, but, so it's a very interesting situation, very exciting. I lost you there at the end, Wiz, so I'm going to finish up this podcast. Uh, it was awesome job today. We covered a lot of ground. Uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, enjoy the playoffs, everybody. We are on Spotify, Apple, Pod, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. I uh, hope you enjoyed us during the season, but we're going to continue to uh, provide you with entertainment and knowledge during the postseason. So enjoy the games, everybody, and we'll speak next week.